0: Well, welcome to Trek Freaks, and I am Frank. I'm jumping in real quick with Jonathan to discuss the announcements from uh, Star Trek Day. How you doing, Jonathan? Good, good. How you doing? Good, good, good. All right, so we're going to go over these quickly. You're hearing them here in front of Trek Freaks. They will also be at the end of Geek Freaks News on Monday, so we're doubling up on this so you guys uh, don't have to listen to the end of GFN on Monday. Okay. First off, we had a message from Alex Cutman, uh, Kutzman, I'm sorry. He's the man that's basically in charge of the show over there. So Alex Kurtman, uh, basically he wanted to say that their goal is to make each Star Trek series unique, but still connected. So you know that it's a Star Trek, basically, Um, which is something that they kind of lost, I felt like, in Discovery. Mm. The first and the third season don't feel very Star Trek-y. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like he's saying like it'll be unique, but it'll still feel like that. What do you th- What do you think about that? Yeah,
1: I think that's great, and I think they've really demonstrated that really well, especially bringing out lower decks. It's totally shifted gears, so they have a different flavor for everyone's taste. Is mm-hmm. what it seems like they have for all you know different age groups and everything. Um, so I think they're doing a good job, and we didn't. I don't think we were prepared for that when Discovery came out. So I think that's True. why it felt like kind of jarring to be a very dramatic, very heavy, very kind of polished. You know, show that's more like a movie but extended Mm -hmm. Um, but now that we see these other variations coming out it totally fits and it kind of brings the whole world together as a diverse collection of star trek
0: yeah lower ducks is a great example because even that i feel like has corrected itself or we have corrected ourselves to enjoy that show the way it is at first it was kind of like oh this isn't a star trek it's not really even a rick and morty which we were kind (laughs) of thinking might be that it was something new yeah but I'm, I think it's doing good. I'm 100%
1: on, on board with you on that, too. I was so disappointed in the first couple episodes I watched that I was just, I didn't watch anymore for the first year or so that it was out. It wasn't until season two was already released that I finally took the time to go back and watch it again. And just having a little more, I guess, time and patience and not expecting it to be the, the stereotypical Roddenberry Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, but expecting it's going to be written a little bit different for a different audience. Then you can appreciate it. there's so much exaggeration to it that wouldn't fit in a regular Star Trek. Right but you have to understand' it's, it's made for a different audience, so' it's, it's still a, a lot of fun, and it's nice that they're expanding the world that we love.:
0: The fact that the Cerrito does second contact is the perfect <laughs> thing for that show. yeah, and I, and I I'm looking forward to when that is the second show that's on while you know you're watching your main you know strange new world, and then we have that on a, on a Thursday to have fun with. <clears throat> All right, next. We have Star Trek Prodigy. We got a brand new trailer for that. What are your uh, initial reactions to that? Uh, it looks so good. I'm
1: excited. And I know it's made for younger kids, but I can't wait to watch yeah. it. I want to watch it all. Uh, to me, the the style and the art and everything, it looks like, I'm hoping it ends up more like a, a uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, which yeah. I haven't watched much of. I've seen a handful of episodes, but I like their style. Uh, but it looks like a Star Wars Clone Wars mixed with Avatar. Mm-hmm. More specifically, Avatar with the Blue People, the the movie, not the amazing TV show from right. Nickelodeon. Um, I'm but, not
0: against Star Trek making one of those, though. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's
1: Avatar Studios now, and they're going to be doing some work. So oh, I'm so
0: excited. We to have that. a
1: lot of podcasting to do. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, it looks really, really clean, and I'm excited to see
0: it. So, I, I like the idea of it becoming a Clone Wars. But what we have to remember, because we look back at Clone Wars so fondly, mm-hmm. that first season of Clone Wars was straight up a kid show. Yeah. And it wasn't until after that they realized, like, hey, we have some fans coming out that are, you know, young adults or people that are really starting to see the stories. And then they adjusted the show until we had these really complex Mm storylines. And they brought back people like Darth Maul and stuff like that. So this show, it may feel young at first. Give them a chance to kind of find their footing. Yeah. It's all new.
1: I'm trying to think of other shows specifically. I can't can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know we have a lot of good you know, children's cartoons that have adult hum- humor hidden in them.
0: Yeah, Spongebob is a great and, example of
1: that. the only one I was thinking of was yeah, Spongebob. But...
0: Rocco's modern, like, like, a lot of oh, that. Nick you. knows how to do it, which, that's where this is going. It's yeah. going to be on Nickelodeon and Paramount+. Plus. Yeah,
1: so I think it'll be a great one. Like, I have a, a newborn, and so I'm, you know, excited that as he grows, he'll be oh, able yeah. to to grasp a Star Trek oh, at a young yeah. age, and, you know, we'll be able to enjoy it together.
0: What a great time to be raising a new kid when you got all the Star Trek for them to watch. Because, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but to me, I think Star Trek is the ultimate example of like wholesome television that's still fun to watch Mm -hmm. you know
1: and it expands your knowledge and your curiosity and your creativity and your you know just ability to enjoy the world around you and people around you and everything
0: yeah it's it's really good okay now to the show that i'm so excited for star trek strange new worlds we had a cast reveal so we know that pike spock and una are coming back they were all from discovery season two quick question was
1: una her name originally I don't I, think she had a name. I, I don't think, think she, she had was a name. She's just number one.
0: And I, exactly, I think, okay. yeah, because Pike in that first episode of TOS called her number one.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm low key just a wee bit disappointed that they just named her Una. That's like like yeah. I hate to keep referencing Star Wars because I'm not a Star Wars fan, but Han Solo in the Solo you don't movie hate
0: Star Wars. That's good. No, we should yeah, clarify no, I that. don't hate Star Wars. It's just <laughs> but we are on a Trek freaks right now. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but how Han Solo's name was Solo because he was by oh, himself. That was so that, cringy. I was just like, oh come on. So Una being Una because she's number one, and that's Latin for one. That's just kinda Oh
0: shit, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because I know that Pike calls her number one in the series as well. Yeah. So I'm assuming that yeah, her name is Una, but they're gonna be calling her number one an awful lot. Yeah. At least Pike will. Yeah. And I'm gonna look I'm looking forward to I mean, Anton Mount to me is such a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't seen Hell on Wheels, please go do that. It's a great way to get get ready for this. Um but him and and their reactions, I can't wait for that. It's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Very good. Okay, but joining the cast. First, we have an ahura uh, being cast. That'll be really cool. Um, and then th- that's going to be by uh, Celia Rose Gooding. Right, but she didn't say Celia. She said something else. We'll learn it as time goes on, but right yeah. now it's Celia for us. Yeah. Um, she I don't think she's been in much. I looked for her at IMDb. It's pretty light, so mm-hmm. this is going to be the way to start off. And, I mean, what a great way to start off. Right. Then, I thought this was really interesting. I'm sure you did, too. We have Nurse Chapel joining the cast.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! So Nurse Chapel, if anybody doesn't know, uh, is the same actress Majel Barrett uh, who who played her and Number One because the original pilot got scrapped and the show got retooled and everything. So she, you know, and Spock and, and yeah, her and Spock I think were the only ones that got in a horror that kept from the pilot and got carried on. Uh, but she changed characters, so now we're going to be seeing a new show with two characters that were originally played by the same actress. Yeah. So I would love, I think we talked briefly about this before, I would love to see a tiny little hint mm-hmm. that they are the same person, you know, to some extent, like a yeah. matching hairstyle or something as just a little Easter egg or joke would be would be phenomenal.
0: A simple throwaway of line, a line of like, man, you you guys could have been sisters or something like that. Yeah. would just make me happy. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Now, a question for you. Do you know if Gene uh, Ronenberry and her were married before she started playing the character?
1: No, I think it was two years
0: after. Because she's what what I probably knew too. We first were introduced to her as the computer.
1: Yeah, the voice of the computer and all those different Star Treks. So she series.
0: she bleeds Star Trek. She's yeah. she's it's cool <laughs> to have both of her characters in the new show. I'm excited for that. We also have uh, Doctor M- uh, Menga, uh, now played by uh, we're going to call him Babs, and then we're going to leave it at that because his last <laughs> name has got a lot of consonants. Um, again, we'll learn these names over time as be- they become our new favorite people. Uh, I I'm so happy to see him kind of in those medical scrubs again yeah. that Bones wears. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are your thoughts about him?
1: Uh, I'm excited. I mean, I, I like that they're bringing back characters that we don't really remember much of yeah. that weren't significant characters in the previous show, really to help diversify the cast, too, which is great to be, you know, modern and forward thinking. So I'm excited. And that it, it also gives them a little bit more because we know Spock. We know exactly right. who Spock is, who Ahura is, uh, enough about Pike, but we don't know these new characters that were already planted. So it gives them room to grow and expand and create new, you know, relationships that we. Didn't expect.
0: So. It's so cool. Like what's great too. I mean, you guys are obviously listeners of Trek Freaks. If you're here, if if you're here from GF uh Geek Freaks News, go check out Trek Freaks. Um, but we haven't met some of these characters mm-hmm. or we're gonna be seeing them more often in TOS. And now you guys could be referencing, like, oh yeah, and her character, we learned this, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like they're doing some of the head, head cannon that you guys normally do yeah. for you. So that's right. pretty cool. Um, I just gotta say the the hair that they did for Chapel looks really cool. Do you see the new hair that they're doing for her?
1: Is it the white? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks pretty <laughs> that looks pretty slick.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for that. And we have a few new characters joining as well. Uh, and we'll talk about them more as we get closer to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, time will tell. Okay, uh, real quick one here. The original Star Trek movie is getting fully remastered. I mean, this looks like a, a remake if you're a video game fan and you know the difference. Um, have you seen that first movie? I
1: have. So I've been waiting because, as you know, for Trek Freaks, we're mm-hmm. reviewing each episode of TOS one by one. And I don't want to spoil any plot points or anything like that, so I'm waiting to watch all the movies. I've seen bits and pieces of some of the movies, but I'm waiting to, to watch them in order. Yeah. Uh, but this looks amazing. I saw the little clip that they were showing uh, during the Star Trek Day, and it looks like a totally different scene. Like it's just so much brighter and so much more detail. So yeah. I'm excited. Maybe it would. I might be robbing myself if I watch it for the first time in the remastered version. Maybe I should watch both. But I'm excited to see some amazing, polished Star Trek.
0: That first movie, mm-hmm. wait till the remaster, because it doesn't oh, yeah. have a lot of other things going for it. Is it pretty rough? That first movie is kind of awful, actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. It is like going past Warp 10 becoming a salamander. <laughs> um, the second movie is one of the best Star Trek movies ever made.
1: Is that First Contact? Wrath of Khan. Oh, oh, Wrath of Khan. So oh, good. Okay. and so,
0: once, so this is the first one they're going to do, but you can tell they're going to be doing more. There's yeah. no way they're not going to do Wrath of Khan. Right. And they're going to be exclusive to Paramount Plus, so not on Blu-ray or DVD, nice. DVD yet. We know they're going to eventually, right?
1: Now I didn't quite realize that all the Star Treks that were that I've been watching lately and reviewing and all this have been remastered already too. Yeah. Was it you that posted? Somebody posted on our on our uh, Discord Mm -hmm. the comparison, and it is night and day. Yeah. They do such a good job remastering these. They look like they're newer made shows. I mean, I don't get how you fix pixels from an old video that's non-digital but yeah. they do an amazing job so. well
0: if you have the original negatives which of course paramount does somewhere yeah you can do a lot with those you can get some high def with that and then of course any ship shots they just straight up remake them yeah and it's like that last one you guys did not this episode you guys are listening to now but last week's um with the uh which i really liked actually
1: <laughs> oh the uh corbamite maneuver yes yeah yeah. I didn't want
0: to say Corbomite because I knew I was going to mess up my Carbonite. <laughs> you know how many times I typed that when I was doing your guys' descriptions and stuff? Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyways, but that one was vastly improved yeah. by the <laughs> remaster. Oh All right, we have a couple more for you. Uh, Lower Dex got a mid-season trailer. I mean, basically, it was just more shenanigans going to be going on. We see that she's going to be working with her mom at some point. Mm-hmm. And the Borg are coming. Yep. I can't wait for them to see how the Cerita does against the Borg. Yeah.
1: They're going to they're
0: gonna <laughs> fall ass, ass backwards into something, so... That'd be great. Any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I'm excited. I, was there? There was a scene where uh, Rutherford like takes on a, a room full of Borg and stuff. It was yeah. like, I know they're gonna way overdo it, and in a way that you know, on Voyager, you can't take over a room full of Borg. No. Just, they have personal shielding and stuff like that. But there's gonna be a trick, and it's gonna be great. So I'm excited.
0: I'm hoping. Okay, so okay, let's talk about next. Is Picard? We have a Picard trailer. Oh, yeah that really clarifies what the story is going to be. So Q is testing Picard once again, mm-hmm. Poor Jean-Luc just wants to freaking retire. <laughs> um, and what he did is he went back into the past, Q did, and changed something so that now uh, Starfleet is like this totari- totarian military, you know, mm-hmm. monster. Uh, so Picard's crew is going to try to fix that. Do you like what that story is laying down?
1: I do. I think it, I think it poses a good challenge. It's a good, you know, scenario. Um, but I, I have, I have one little, one little piece of headcanon. I can't think of the name of the episode, so it might mess things up a little bit, but, um, I have a piece of headcanon that I thought about today at work actually. And I was like, oh my God, mind blown. I need to text somebody, but I'd rather wait and tell someone live the episode of Voyager where the doctors found on a planet in a, a program and they look Ugh. back at, at Voyager as a demon ship that was there to destroy them all.
0: Uh-huh, I can't wait for you guys to get to Voyager for a truck fix. <laughs>
1: what if that ship was real and that was from this timeline oh my god uh-uh, where the federation is uh, totalitarianism oh
0: jonathan we have to write the fan fiction for this right <laughs> <laughs> nobody hey, if you're listening to this do not write that fan fiction actually do it for us we just want to read it That'd yes, be please yes yeah.
1: make it for us
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what i want i want to watch that oh gosh i can't remember <laughs> man the name that of the is episode, a good idea uh, it's like time capsule or something like that or something that. It's so good, Voyager is so good. Once you guys get to Voyager, I think I'm going to be bumming in a lot of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, but yeah, I'm I'm happy Q is back. Uh, it's it's one of those things, and Star Trek always does it where they happen to happen to go back to 2000 and you know 20, yeah. and it was good. And when the Voyager was on, they went to 90, 90s and then the 60s for a, a original series. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be good for
1: those that are yelling at their their I don't know phones or whatever they're listening on. It's Living Witness is the name of that Thank episode. Thank you, yeah. Living Witness. Sorry.
0: And if you knew that off the top of your head and you're yelling at your phone right now,
1: you're a fan. Yeah, a fan. help we're, us out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Get us some Star Trek questions, please. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we leave this, mm-hmm. Bork Queen is back.
1: Yes. Oh man. So is it like they're using her technology? So I'm so I'm so lost by this, but it looks like she was disconnected from the hive and like yeah. sitting in a storage container or something like that. And they decided to take her and use her technology or her like plug into her brain or whatever. To be able to time travel, yeah, is what it's sounding like. Yeah,
0: that's what it sounds like.
1: I'm I'm stoked.
0: There's so many questions I have, yeah. and I'm gonna wait till Picard airs in because I can just go spin off in any direction. Like, why the hell is she even there? Right. And all these other things.
1: And is it kind of like they have to partner with the Borg Queen to fight Q? Because I would love to. I oh think my that's, god! I think she has control. I mean, if they tie into her,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, she's probably gonna try to tweak the timeline <laughs> just a little in her favor. But yeah, if they 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 can't patch into her and her not have control you know she's well we do
0: see that like the doctor is like sympathetic to her and like is talking to her yeah so there is something there i wonder if they're gonna try to i hope they don't try to rebuild rehabilitate her they are using the same actress as they have in the past yeah but she's coming back for the role i hope they don't try to like redeem the board queen she is constant constant evil she needs to stay that way and she's awesome because of it
1: but so i think they might do a a nice wide arc with that which would be beautiful is if they try to redeem her as a better person and Mm -hmm. hey you have a chance to correct this this past where you would have had, you know, n- no Borg civilization because the Federation would have came and destroyed you, you know, hundreds of years earlier or something like that. And so it's in both of their benefit. But just towards the end, as they're trying to get back to normal, she tries to tweak everything in her yeah. favor to where, you know, she was never stopped and they dominated oh the entire galaxy and they grew so much bigger. <laughs> and, you know, they defeated 8472 and took over Fluidic Space, or something like that. That's, and then... Ugh. It's but crazy. you know, then they decide. Okay, now she's the big bad again. We got to shut her down and yeah, you know, finish her completely.
0: Alex Kurtzman, if you want some uh, some writers, not necessarily no. writers, we're big picture guys. If you ever watch Oh <laughs> yeah. Sunny, we'll, we're the big picture guys.
1: <laughs> we'll sit in a room and talk, and somebody <laughs> around us just
0: be writing stuff. Yeah, down. we need people with the click <laughs> and clacks. So we got the rest. Yeah, okay, uh, and then the last bit that I think is awesome. I did not see this coming so soon. Discovery season four is gonna be right around the corner, November eighteenth.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Uh, and then uh, special note: we were talking about. It's kind of funny. 20 years is the last time two Star Treks have aired simultaneously. And then you were like, well,
1: no. (laughs) Oh, God. I was freaking out for a second. I was like, because when he said 20 years, I'm thinking, oh, man, that must have been the original series. Was it, you know, the original series and the Next Gen started like the same year or something?
0: No, those are good 20, 30 years.
1: Deep Space Nine and Voyager was 20 years ago.
0: (laughs) God, how old am I? Like,
1: that just seems ridiculous. But
0: I remember so much that last season just like being hyped every Wednesday when it came out on,
1: uh, on CBS or was it uh it was like upn the, wasn't U-
0: it? upn oh yeah. my god you A guys network that UPN? doesn't exist anymore <laughs> <laughs> exactly um so that's pretty awesome uh last bit that actually uh it came out earlier that day um good old games of course classic uh video game guys they're bringing back eight classic star trek video games so that you guys could play them on modern pcs so one of them is Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. Oh. You remember that old arcade? That,
1: that's the arcade one where you sit yeah. inside the, the the little booth. Oh, man, that'll be cool.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be playable. All, those, all of these but two are available right now for $10 each, okay? So there's a Star Trek Elite Force 2, which was a big upgrade in the graphics. Uh, Star Trek Away Team, Armada, which will be available later on. Bridge Commander, which you're commander of a bridge. Starfleet Commander 3, which is like a... Um, Simulation RPG thing where we're doing battles, mm-hmm. Hidden Evil, and then Armada 2, again coming later on. Both the Armada games are real-time strategy games, so think of like StarCraft.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's cool.
0: Of course, the graphics are real rough, yeah. right? These were 90s games. Here's a picture I'm showing, John, of Tuvok in the game.
1: Oh, that's okay. That's passable. That's Just, passable. I can recognize that it's supposed to be Tuvok.
0: Yeah. So those are, those are out now, except for the Armada games. Those will be out later this year
1: i like it and hey if anybody really has you know plenty of time and nothing to do and knows how to program games make new skins for these or remake these games for us so we can play some i mean i know there's there's star trek online that you know i'm sure is fantastic kevin plays it like crazy whenever he can i'm afraid to try to because i got no time and that's a major addiction
0: that i wouldn't be able to stop yeah (laughs) all right guys next up for you trek freaks fans you have kevin and jonathan discussing the next episode and that'll be great
1: Hey Trekkies and welcome to another episode of Trek Freaks, part of the Geek Freaks podcast family. And in this podcast we review episodes of Star Trek starting at the original series. My name is John, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Kevin.
2: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good, good. So Kevin, what episode are we reviewing today?
2: We are talking about season 1, episode 10 of the original series and that is the Corbamite Maneuver. And I thought I was going to flub when I said the word Corbamite, but now I've said it twice <laughs> without messing it up. So good start so right. far.
1: Written out, it looks like an easy to misread word for sure. Uh, but before we get into our warp speed recap, I got a question for you. You ready? Lay it on me. All right. In a first contact situation, what might be some of your first questions you would ask of this new alien race?
2: Let's let, you, let's let's let you go first on that yeah. one. Yeah.
1: All right. If you need a second, I got I got mine ready. Um. So I think the first thing I would ask is, or or I, it might take more words than just a few to ask it, but more or less, what do your people value? So, we know the Ferengi value money or, or latinum, their form of money. The Klingon value honor humans for the most part valued life. We try to save life at all costs. So, to me, finding that out will really help you get a broad perspective of that race as a whole. Uh, second question would be, uh, what do your people eat or drink? Because when you're bringing them on your ship, you're trying to entertain with them, The as far as we understand, the uh, key necessity to almost all life is, you know, some kind of food. So you want to be hospitable, make friends, figure out what they like to eat and drink. Uh, and then um why did you why do you travel to space? Did you guys, you know, thrash your planet and you needed to evacuate it? Are you searching for, you know, new species to interact with or trying to learn? Or, you know, what 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 motivated them to journey out into the stars? Nice. That's kind of interesting.
2: That's a solid round set of questions. I, I like that a lot. The the second one, the eat and drink, that's a sec that's a bet. Let me try that again. <laughs> Asking them about what they'd eat and drink is great for a first contact question because mm-hmm. when the Cerritos comes around for second contact <laughs> from lower prepared. Next, yeah. <laughs>
1: Updated uh uh what do you call it, replicators.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so All right, what do you got? I think the the, fir- the first and the most important thing that i would ask would be about their political structure like how do they choose leaders do they have a single leader or a set of leaders or leaders at all do they um, still
1: use a guillotine
2: <laughs> right yeah <laughs> what kind of uh, uh prisons systems do they have do they have devices that can make you forget things like we've seen in prior episodes of star trek uh what do they think of it basically trying to get a uh, A quick history of how they view themselves and others.
1: Can we walk on the grass? That's a huge (laughs) one, right there, (laughs) right? Like you don't want to overstep their legal rules and stuff just because you don't know any of them.
2: So where do you land on the whole grass thing? I was, I'm so glad you brought this up (laughs) because it's not here nor there. But I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that if I grow a nice lawn, I don't care if people step on it because it's grass.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's made to be walked on. So okay. That yeah, you should now. It's different if people are like walking their dog and letting them, you know, do their business on your lawn because that can ruin it. But occasionally, not a big deal. If it's daily, then that's a problem. But,
2: right? Yeah. yeah. I I was taking my dog for a walk the other day, and I we had to jump off the sidewalk because there was a car parked across the sidewalk and stuff. So we went down to the road, and I had to walk across someone's lawn. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is an old shitty lawn, but I still felt really bad walking through someone's grass. <laughs> but at the same point, I'm like, I don't care so yeah if aliens care about that that's a good question to ask for a first contact
1: yes and I think we see that in a few, a few episodes ahead we have that issue nice so we'll go over that
2: uh, was that all three of yours uh, that was that's all I've got to answer okay. that question all that's right. all I've got
1: I like it I like it um, alright you ready for the warp speed recap
2: let's go baby
1: Continuing on through space, charting what seems to be an endless array of the same stars and planets, the crew of the Enterprise is growing bored. Though they don't know it, they will soon encounter more excitement than they can handle. As Spock is in command, the ship encounters a spitting cube-like object. No matter how they try, they cannot seem to get around this cube. Not only is it blocking their path, but it is getting closer and emitting radiation. Kirk, back on the bridge, gives the order to fire on the cube and destroys it. As they try to carry on their way, the Enterprise is confronted by a massive and powerful ship, which looks like a a cluster of golden spheres and has the power to stop them in their tracks. They are hailed by Balok from the flagship Fisarius of the First Federation. Uh, He informs them that this cube was a uh, warning, a marker buoy of the First Federation borders, and destroying it was an act of hostility towards them. Uh, The crew of the Enterprise is given 10 human minutes, 10 Earth minutes, I think he says, or 10 Earth time periods, called minutes, uh, to make their peace before being destroyed. Uh, Scrambling and scratching their heads, the crew tries to think of options. Finally, after pondering Spock's chess analogy, Kirk has a plan. He warns the alien ship of a rare defensive feature uh, of the Enterprise it is composed of Corbamite, and when fired upon, corbamite will reflect the damage back to the attacker. In 200 years, no attacking ship has survived. A well-played bluff on the captain's part. After the time slowly winds down, Baylock decides not to attack. Instead, he will use a shuttle to tractor their ship to a nearby First Federation M-class planet, where the crew will be imprisoned and the ship destroyed. Being tractored, the Enterprise is able to break away, but not without sustaining significant damage to their engines. They do notice that Baylock, Baylock's shuttle also sustained damage and is trying to send a distress signal. Regardless of the crew's hesitation, Kirk decides to move close and offer assistance. He beams aboard with Bones and Bailey. They are surprised to find a mannequin. Uh, it seems that they've been deceived. Balak reveals himself and welcomes them to join him. He appears very similar to a human child. Uh, Balak explains that the distress signal is actually a test to determine their true character, and he is pleased with what he has seen. This may be a successful fir- first contact after all. Uh, Balak suggests one of the Enterprise crewmen stay behind for some time to help better get to know each other's cultures. Bailey gladly offers. Uh, before Kirk and Bones return to the Enterprise, Belloc is pleased to give them a tour of his ship.
2: That was that was a that was an episode that had a, <laughs> a little bit.
1: You told me already you weren't a fan of this episode so much, Oh right? gosh, no! That
2: <laughs> I thought this episode sucked. Like just yeah. everything about it. There was nothing. Nothing good about it uh, outside of, you know, the actors that are in the episode. Like, I, I, nothing about the story was redeemable to me.
1: Yeah. So I, I've, I've had both sides of this actually because I watched this episode, I think for the first time about a year ago and I was confused. I often would put, put episodes on while I'm falling asleep. So sometimes that will just get me messed up, but I'll rewatch it the next day if I didn't finish it or if I don't remember it. Um, but I remember I watched this one a couple times and I just didn't really, Get what was going on, but you know I just kind of moved on and went to the, yeah went to the next episode. Watching it again now, there's uh I know about the first Federation, so there was this major click that like oh my god, an aha moment for me. I've been listening to a podcast series; it's an audio drama called um, Star Trek Outpost, and in this, they have this whole civilization that is the first Federation. They they're pretty significant in the story, and you get to know a little bit about their culture and stuff. So seeing the first federation here, I'm like, oh my God, that's where these creators, this giant known productions, where they got this concept of the first federation and then they elaborated on it and, you know, made up a bunch of extra story to go with it. Uh, But it was really cool to kind of see the roots of where it came from. So the second time around watching this episode, you know, more recently at least, I was excited when I noticed that. So it was, you know, a much better (laughs) experience for me.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Having a little bit of someone else's headcanon can kind of add to your, <laughs> your enjoyment of something. That's great, too, cause that's what makes me enjoy these episodes more, is listening to you and your headcanon about this. And that's essentially what Star Trek, uh, that I forget, outpost is, yeah. is, basically. It's not like a legitimate canon series, is it?
1: No, no. And actually, I think after a certain season, uh, they had to start, they had to change um how they word their name they call it outpost a star trek fan production and then at at the end of the episode they disclaim that they're not actually affiliated with cbs or star trek you know studios whatever but so in the beginning i noticed on the bridge they have a totally different camera angle than we've seen yet this is like a over the head camera angle you know where you could see the guys pushing the buttons and stuff like that that to me that didn't really add much i just thought that was pretty interesting what'd you think
2: yeah so if you'll remember back in uh it was either the the cage or where no man has gone before they did something similar where they zoomed into the ship and then through like the dome of the saucer section where the bridge is and then zoomed That's in right. from down uh from up above down below and they I I found out this episode is actually the first one that was filmed after NBC gave them the green light so this was th- them trying to find their footing, I think, with production and with, uh, with uniforms. You see Uhura wearing a gold uniform. Um, a-, a lot of other things that don't seem to fit in with the-, the timeline that they were aired, but make sense in the timeline that they were filmed.
1: Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of little you know, features or details they're still trying to work out. I like it. I like to see Spock uh, um, commanding the ship, at least for a little while.
2: Yeah, that was that was cool that they threw that in so early in the series too, showing that the captain can be doing other stuff and Spock can yeah. handle it as the first officer.
1: And so Kirk isn't on the bridge because he is having a physical with Bones. And it's kind of funny because Bones sees the, the lights for the red alert, but he has him silenced in, in the medical bay. And so he's he, instead of telling him, oh, hey, something's going on, you should get to the bridge, he keeps him there and doesn't mention nothing. But then Kirk is a little, little pissed off when he realizes, he's like, hey, how come you didn't tell me? He's like, well, if I told you, uh, let me see. I actually have it right here. Uh, he said, what am I, a doctor or a moon, shut- moon shuttle conductor is what he said. When... <laughs> and he said, if I if I jumped every time a light came on around here, I'd end up talking to myself. So, first off, I don't know what a moon shuttle conductor is. And second, I like that he said that if I jumped up, if I jumped every time a light came on around here, I'd be talking to myself. I like that he said that because he was talking to himself when he said that. I would be going crazy. It's like, well, yeah, you are going crazy because you're <laughs> sitting there talking to yourself.
2: Yeah, he said that after Kirk had left the room. What are your thoughts on that? Because that jumped out at me. Not not him saying that specifically, but about him not letting Kirk know that there was an alarm going off and that he was needed on the bridge. What yeah, do you think well, about that?
1: I, I think that's like he's learned by now. That's just absolutely necessary. <laughs> if he can ever pin down Kirk for hey. Like, Just five minutes, lay on this bed, let me scan you or something. You know, otherwise it's one crisis after another that they can't avoid. So he has to mute everything around them to get it done.
2: I kind of am going back and forth on that myself because there uh, there are times when you need the captain, when you find something and you're, you know, the flagship vessel and you find something like a floating cube that makes you stand still. You can't escape from it. or uh, I guess you're not standing still, but you can't escape from it regardless. You kind of need the captain to be able to make decisions like that. And if he's just doing a physical, he could come back later for the physical, man. I mean, it's not that big of a deal.
1: Though I think Spock was handling it better than Kirk because he was just trying to analyze it and be evasive and try to get around it. He probably would have just backed away if they couldn't get around it or found an alternate route. But Kirk was like, yeah, let's just push it. Let's push it. And then, nope, it's not moving. We got to fire on it or else we're going to get destroyed. And then they were in trouble for destroying a buoy. (laughs) The hostile action. On the bridge, one of the crewmen says, uh, me raising my voice back there doesn't mean I was scared or couldn't do my job. It means I have a human thing called an adrenaline gland. And then Spock replies to him, it does sound most inconvenient, however. Have you considered uh, having it removed? I I love that because it's not that it's necessarily funny, but that's Vulcan humor at its best. That is like 100% Spock trying to make a joke.
2: Yeah, it was great. And that was the the ensign or whatever crew it was the crewman that was uh
1: yeah bailey said, he's the one that Yeah, behind. bailey
2: that's his name yeah he's the one that ends up staying behind so he goes through his own arc in this as well when they first come across the the cube and they can't escape he's like ah what are we gonna do he starts raising his voice and uh spock takes note of that so that's yeah. what that was following up
1: uh in the next scene we see uh Kirk was leaving his quarters. He was just checking on how everything's going with over the com with uh, Spock. As he leaves his quarters, I noticed, I thought this is really odd, but maybe, like you're saying, this first episode being recorded after approval, so they're working out kinks. The camera panned and followed his ass. Did you see that?
2: I didn't notice it. No, I might, <laughs> I might have noticed it at the time, but then quickly forgot about it. Uh, I just thought that, that was
1: super weird. There was no reason for that, but it just seemed to follow, and uh, I had to note it. Yeah, yeah. That's,
2: that's very strange.
1: Oh, so when they're in the briefing room, we find out they spent eighteen hours trying to communicate with that cube, uh, or better st- understand it. Do you think? Do you think you would wait? You would? Is that a good use of time to sit there and try to communicate with that cube? Or, you know, for me at least, I would just turn around, go a, a, a wide berth around it in a different direction, or something like that, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, their whole mission is to seek out new life and new civilizations. That's um, mm-hmm. kind of their their mission uh 18 hours i don't think was long enough uh if you can't escape it i think there should have been a lot more time before let's blow it up (laughs) personally (laughs) 18 hours seems very a very short amount of time to potentially try to figure out how to communicate with something before destroying it
1: yeah okay so then yeah kirk does give the order to um Try to go around it in a spiral formation. Doesn't work out. They have to shoot it and it blows up. Uh, but then they see another object was detected and it ends up being that that ship. I was happy actually to see this ship and now I, I don't know how. I didn't know. This was only their first episode with the new budget. Because uh, that cube, to me, that, that floating buoy was like a window screensaver. <laughs> and it looked, looked so cheap. But then you see this big golden sphere ship show up and you're like, oh, okay, they're not, Cutting corners. This isn't paper mache or nothing like that. They're actually doing some half decent animation, especially for their time. Uh, so that kind of made me happy. It looked pretty, I don't know, legitimate, intimidating.
2: That ship, you want to know what it was made out of? What's it made out of? Ping pong balls glued to a shell. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Really? laughs> yes, it was legitimately ping pong balls, all those golden spheres. Nice. And it was just glued onto a, a, a shell. So it was. It, they did cut a few corners, almost, but it, did, it didn't. Look like, mache <laughs> Yeah, it didn't look like they were cutting corners. They actually made it look decent. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny when I read that. <laughs> uh,
1: I noted that they they called it the uh, well again first episode, uh, United Earthship Enterprise, and I'm wondering like in this point in the show are they not part of the Federation yet, or you know how that works, but.
2: So this is before they uh, I, I as of this point, I have not heard the words Starfleet or United Federation of Planets. So at this point in the series and we hear it in one of the next episodes, they're part of the United Earth Space Probe Agency, also called USPA. Oh, ah, bef- I see. Before they established and they actually used uh, the word Starfleet in the next episode. But they didn't. Uh, actually designate the united federation of planets until later on in this season
1: hmm. Oh, yeah. i like it i like it um so that's when all they the first trivia th- i've got
2: unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fresh out uh, of trivia you through that. it all that quickly
1: <laughs> that's perfect uh so they get hailed by by Baylock, and i was at, at another point where i'm like super either disappointed or scared of you know what kind of quality of the visual effects they're going to use 'cause we see this the the it, what we end up finding out is a mannequin, but that like face that's blurred out and it's like a blue like animatronic kinda character, and it looks just it looks super cheesy, and I was like, oh my God, this is horrible, how could they put that on t v um what did you think when you first saw that? Did you, I mean, I just believed that that's what they were going with for some alien race.
2: Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. After seeing the cube, I was like, oh my God, they blew their budget on making ping pong balls glow. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. yeah. Um,
1: oh yeah. So one thing I didn't have in the, in the warp speed recap is Bailey. You mentioned earlier he was, he was uh, getting scared. He has like a full on meltdown when they say, when, when Baylock says that he's going to destroy the ship. He's like freaking out, panics, and then uh, Kirk actually has to order him off the bridge, tell him to go to his quarters, and McCoy escorts him. Um, have we? I don't think we've seen anybody react like unprofessionally out of Starfleet so far in this series. Have you? Have you noticed that before? Like somebody freaking out like he did?
2: Um, other than people that are under the influence of something else or something. No, I. Everybody's been pretty like proper trained Starfleet.
1: Yeah, up until that makes this me wonder, point. like. They must go through, I mean, they have Kobayashi and Maru, so they have all kinds of training that is to handle the stresses of being in full-on conflict, let alone, you know, uh, first contact and threatening situations. So I was really surprised to see somebody react so emotionally and unpredictably in this kind of a setting and, and be a, a bridge officer at that.
2: Yeah, I, that was definitely very strange, especially for the flagship of the... of of starfleet but it was good for the story because it made a little banter between kirk and mccoy as everything tends to do Mm -hmm. but it also uh showed kirk's uh kind of his history like he said that he was sort of like that too and there's a point where it's basically make or break when fight or flight um it's situations like that that'll really test somebody to see whether or not they can cut it essentially. I, I don't know what the exact conversation was, but that's what he was going for uh, with Bailey and wanted him, prior to kicking him off the bridge, wanted to feel him out, see if he was able to cut the mustard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like it. I like uh, just after that, too, there's uh, Spock references chess. He says, uh, what did he say? He, he was trying to suggest a maneuver, you know, uh, related to playing chess, but all I remember is Kirk saying, not just Mr. Spock, Poker. And that's where he, you know, talks to the uh, Baylock and tells him uh, that our ship's made of Corbomite. If you attack us, it'll actually deflect onto you and destroy your ship. So, you might want to second guess that. And I thought that was just so, like, funny, kind of wise. Like, I don't know if Spock, Spock wouldn't think of something like that because he's a Klingon and it's just illogical to try to lie so blatantly, I guess without any evidence to support it, but I, I like it. I think that was a well-played uh, move on Kirk's part.
2: As much as I like the slip of the tongue if uh, you calling Spock a Klingon, I, I, I want oh, God, to see that I now. That? <laughs> oh, no. I, I want to see that now. I want to see Spock as a Klingon. But uh, yeah, no, that was, that was, <laughs> yeah. that was pretty good. The, the funny thing about it is when he said that, I was just thinking the whole time, Kirk is telling this guy, I am rubber and you're glue.
1: exactly like your ship looks really big and all but you know as soon as you fire on me you're going to be destroyed sorry (laughs) but
2: i thought it was pretty funny but it made sense and it showed kirk's ingenuity and uh kind of the limitations of spock with his vulcan mind uh what he's the kind of stuff that he's able to come up with yeah yeah, you're absolutely right on with that
1: and then and then balak hails him back and says hey um you know what? We'll go ahead and spare your ship if you can prove to us that you're made of Corbinite. And instead of you know jumping back or sending some kind of fake evidence or something like that, Kirk leaves him to stew for a second, like puts it on hold to kind of hold some negotiating power for just a second, which I thought was kind of funny or I don't know, just interesting to see that strategic tactic. And then he responds with just a no deal, like we're not gonna we're not gonna play your games. We are what we what I said we are. If you attack us, you're gonna die. Take it or leave it. Uh, so that was kind of bold, still very uh risky, but
2: I think oh, it's right. the it's the definitive captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. It's him coming up with a plan and then sticking to it, and it just always working out because he's Captain Kirk
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um so yeah, then we see the small shuttle launches off, it's tractoring them, which is funny. The small shuttle is just like the, another small little cluster of those <laughs> gold spheres, which yeah, hey, that's fine. But so yeah, then they uh break free of the tractor beam, which causes damage to both ships. The uh first Federation ship is sending out a distress signal, but they recognize it won't reach the mother ship. So Kirk gives the order to move a little bit closer and see if they need help. So they beam aboard. Uh and they that's when they find out that there's a mannequin there, and they're like, What the heck? You know, were we being lied to this whole time? Yeah, they were being lied to. That was a that was a prop to look, you know like people expect a neighboring alien race to look like something large and intimidating because the first federation know that if the humans were to see, or most aliens were to see their childlike stature, that they wouldn't be intimidated at all. Right. Uh, One thing I want to point out though, is that he offers them Tranya, which is a drink that they make and it's absolutely nothing in this. It's just, you could have called it vodka and you know, we would have recognized it. He just calls it Tranya. That's their drink. In the uh, series that I was mentioning earlier, the Star Trek Outpost—that's a huge deal. Like they're known for Tranya. Like one guy, one of the uh, Starfleet members at one point was talking about the space station Deep Space Three and saying, "Yeah, they should have just named it Tranya Station." And <laughs> I'm like that seems—it's <laughs> just—it's funny, but uh, it's a—it's a cool drink because it, they kind of put that mystic allure behind it that it's like moonshine only made in very, you know, few places in First Federation territory, it's illegal to sell outside of the First Federation, so they have to smuggle it to get it anywhere else. And the distinct uh, feature of it is that it doesn't taste like anything specific. It doesn't taste the same way to every, anybody, and you can't replicate it. It tastes like a memory. So, if you, if you remember sitting on grandma's porch drinking, you know, sweet tea in the summer, when you drink it you're going to taste that if you remember being a little kid having hot cocoa and sitting on Santa's lap or something like that you were going to drink it and it's going to taste like that and it's going to feel like your you know favorite childhood memory so That's people really fall cool. in love with it and get addicted to it because of that
2: oh man it, it, is it alcoholic
1: it, i don't think so I, okay. I, yeah it's just it's um, more than alcoholic i think it's um euphoric you know it okay. makes you fall in love with it because how good it feels to drink it but it's from your own I, memories
2: i would love to see them make that canon that yeah. sounds so well thought i gotta listen to this this star trek out or the outpost a star trek fan production i need yeah. to listen to that because it sounds like it's just adding so much lore to stuff that was just throwaway, yeah. uh, last minute decision stuff that they just added in there like you were saying with trania yeah, and there's
1: some arcs in that that get kind of slow, but overall, it's a pretty, pretty darn good story.
2: The funny thing is, I like all the the drinks and stuff in Star Trek because there are a <laughs> lot of them that are pretty, uh, pretty recognizable. Like you've got Romulan ale, you got Klingon blood wine. Uh, DS Nine was all about Raktagino, which is Klingon coffee. I, I love the, the level of detail that Star Trek puts into its drinks. And just to have something like Tronia just as a throwaway thing. <laughs> good on this uh, fan production, <laughs> this audio drama, to be able to put some lore behind it, because Star Trek does put a lot of love into the drinks that they make for that.
1: And of course, if there's a, a moonshine-like drink, high demand, not a lot of people making it, the Ferengi in the area are oh, trying yeah. to capitalize on it. So they're trying to corner the market and find a,
2: a good source to be able to sell it. I wonder if they ever brought that up in like a in deep space nine or anything if it was like a throwaway line that they could have hidden some i don't know. even lower decks i could see them. i bring that up every week because lower decks is fantastic but i could see them bringing it up for just a a a a one-liner one-liner
1: like somebody just has a bottle of it and they're trying to like pass it around or something yeah uh so yeah after that we see we get introduced to bela he offers them tranya and they they talk that's where he does point out that he operates that entire, that massive sphere ship by himself. So, he gets lonely. So, really, he's looking for somebody just to spend time with him is kind of what he boils it down to. So, that's why he asks, like, maybe one of your crewmen can stay behind with me so we can have a, you know exchange of cultures and, you know, I can learn more about your people. You can learn about me. And so, uh, Bailey, who was already feeling really uncomfortable on Enterprise, uh, decides to go ahead and stay behind. Which I thought was a little odd, but at the same time, he wasn't, you know, cut out, I guess, for being on the Enterprise. So maybe this was more of a appealing fit for him.
2: I think it's his way of trying to be like, I can step up and be the guy that Starfleet needs me to be, and I'll come back with more experience and more, uh, more wisdom behind me. But I just thought of an idea. Mm-hmm. I want an odd couple show called Baylock and Bailey. <laughs> it would oh, take yeah. place <laughs> it take place on this guy's sh- on Baylock's ship and them mm-hmm. just like getting into shenanigans like not picking up after each other like, cleaning dishes and stuff ba- and, bailey um,
1: gets totally like uh addicted to the tranya oh
2: yeah for sure and
1: at first they're like best friends and stuff but eventually they start to get on each other's nerves so after six <laughs> months or so Baylock is like okay this is a great exchange of cultures it's time for you to go back to starfleet <laughs>
2: <laughs> and there's no starfleet ships around because the enterprise is the 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 furthest one out into into space so he's stuck with them so you got to see what other shenanigans they can come up with yeah that
1: would be that'd be hilarious
2: i would love to see that
1: another thing that's in that star trek outpost about this race which is kind of cool is because of their technology i mean they point out in this that they're able to just stop the enterprise in place um i don't remember i didn't realize anything specific of them being able to manipulate uh human technology or you know the federation technology but in outpost that's one thing they say is you know, they can just hack in pretty much hack into your ship and make it do whatever they want, um, in this time period. But because that's the outpost is hundreds of years later, first federation put up borders, didn't want to interact with anybody. So their technology eventually became obsolete and the newer federation, the United Federation of planets, their newer technology actually ends up surpassing the first federation, which creates some more kind of struggle between them or, you know, turmoil, but it's, it's really, really interesting story.
2: It's so crazy that they used the first Federation from this one random episode of Star Trek, <laughs> yeah, to and build an entire series on.
1: Yeah, and it's just because they're like on the fringes of space. They're that that it really it's what this entire series was built on because they revolve around uh, uh, Deep Space Three, which was built in this portion of space only because it was near these new aliens they just met. The first Federation. But after that, shortly after that, the First Federation was like, yeah, you guys are okay. We're not going to fight, but we don't really want to interact with you. So we're going to put up our borders and just kind of isolate ourselves. And so Deep Space 3 gets almost no use after that.
2: I wonder if this show uh, talks about anything to do with Bailey to see what happened to him. If he ever got back to yeah. Fed- to Starfleet or if he I stayed did- with him until he died.
1: Yeah, I don't remember hearing anything about him, but I didn't know about him when I first started listening to this. So there probably there could easily be... a. Uh, reference to him at some point.
2: Heavy, heavy shout out to Giant Gnome Productions. Yes. For for a Star Trek Outpost, because we're going to it sounds like we're gushing about them and I've never even listened to them, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm, I hope they keep going. In the beginning uh, this has been going on since like 2008 or nine or something like that. Uh, they were producing an episode every month I believe, and now it's scaled down to like one or two a year. So I'm hoping they Keep keep going, keep pumping them out because uh it's actually tied in with the next generation timeline at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, the whole Locutus episode. So is it <laughs> it's like really, nice. man, I just wanna I just want more. Don't stop. <laughs>
2: uh, I can't wait till we talk about the next generation, but we got a ways <laughs> to go before we get there. <laughs>
1: Long ways, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, let's see. Now, did you find a moral to the story in this? A certain hidden message we're supposed to be pulling out
2: um the moral of what i would have gathered from the story is mostly to do with bailey and his Mm -hmm. reactions to things and it was that there's always room for growth and that you can learn to fit your role even if you're not prepared for it when you get it i i don't know i
1: i like that yeah roll with the punches make lemonade lemonade wait lemonade and a That's the one.
2: I would love it if you go the other <laughs> way around. Sometimes you just need a lemon, but all you got is lemonade. <laughs> just push it really hard. You can form it back into a solid. <laughs> like coal into diamonds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I would say it's more um, do what is right just because it's right. Like I like how Kirk decided when they're both more or less stranded or both their ships are in bad condition. Uh, still, though these guys were trying to kill us and they were going to imprison us and destroy our ship. Uh, we got to move over there. We got to check on, them, make sure they don't need assistance. If anything, we can save them. And maybe this will, you know, help us be on good terms with them or whatever, but to do right, just because it's right to do what's right. And if good stuff happens because of it, then that's an added bonus.
2: I guess you're kind of right. We, uh, you're right. We kind of glossed over the fact that when they went back after the, the first federation ship was kind of disabled and setting out the distress call that's when the choi- they had the choice of either running away mm-hmm. or going to save them and they chose to save, even though they didn't really need saving it was all Baylock playing a, a trick on them or trying to figure out more about them yeah, that, 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 that's good, that's a good pull I wish I would have seen that, but I like the whole Making lemonade for, or making lemons from lemonade better. <laughs> I gotta practice it. We'll make it happen. Maybe uh, Klingon Spock will show you how. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. I just gotta drink more before I get on this. Uh, all right. Any other uh, quick notes before we wrap it up? Um, you like this episode a little more now after talking about it than watching it.
2: As always, yeah. After listening to whatever uh, to anything that you have to say about the episode, especially uh, if it's like thought out stuff like about the Tronia, just little stuff like that, yeah. Of course, it makes me like it quite a bit more than I originally did. Um, I will probably never go back and watch this episode ever again, <laughs> but yeah. it was it was okay. It was okay.
1: All right, all right. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. If you like what you heard. Uh, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Check out our website, geekfreakspodcast.com. Uh, send us questions. If you have any questions you want us to to talk about at the beginning of the episode or just general questions for us, let us know. Um,
2: unless you're Frank.
1: Unless you're Frank. then
2: <laughs> Don't send us questions.
1: <laughs> and I don't have the name of the next episode ready. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's
2: it's, it's uh, the Menagerie Part 1. Oh,
1: that's right. That's right. I was actually writing notes on that one already. Uh, so, please join us next week for Season 1, Episode 11, Menagerie, Part 1.
2: We'll probably also do Menagerie, Part 2 in the oh, same episode. Oh, we can episode.
1: do a two-parter episode?
2: I think so. Nice. We'll see how that goes. Stay tuned. <laughs> Until then, Transporter Room, two to beam up.